In today's episode, we sit down with Father Joshua Johnson to talk about prayer and parenthood. If you are a parent who has experienced a change in your prayer life, especially after kids came along, this episode is for you. Father Joshua offers some encouragement and practical advice regarding bringing kids to mass and to adoration, but he really focuses on encouraging us to embrace the season of life that we're in, to embrace our vocation, and to embrace our role in the body of Christ. We hope that you enjoy. Welcome to Life Beyond the Chariot, a faith and family series from the St. Philip Institute. We believe we are called to not only know, but also to live the truth of the gospel within our homes, in our workplaces, and beyond. We believe we are invited to encounter Christ in the messiness of day-to-day life and to live as his disciples. Welcome back to our Life Beyond the Chariot. Uh, Deanna and I have actually been hoping and praying and wishing for this guest to be with us for a very long time. So I know our first episode of season two was, um, will 2021 be any better than 2020? And today our answer is yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I don't want to waste a whole lot of time before we can really dive in because I know, Father, that your time is precious. But will you just um, introduce yourself, your name, uh, and then we'll lead into prayer and get going with our time together. Yeah, Father Josh Johnson. I, um, I'm from the Diocese of Baton Rouge, pastor of Our Lady of the Holy Rosary Catholic Church and director of vocations and, um, and host of Ask Father Josh podcast. And so it's a gift to be with uh, you on your podcast today. Well, we are so honored, so honored and so blessed. So thank you for taking the time in your busy schedule to be with us this morning. Awesome. Y'all want to pray? Um, yes, please. Yes, please. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord God, we just give you thanks and praise for this time that we have together uh, this, this morning. May all that we talk about today just glorify you, Lord. May our conversation draw your people to come to know the intimate love that you desire to have for them. May our conversation draw multitudes of people to experience your love and your mercy and just desire to abide in a living and vital relationship with you, Father, and your spirit and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We ask this prayer, Father God, through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and who reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. 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 All right, so today we really want to talk to you a little bit about the um, aspects of prayer and parenthood because that can be a challenge. Um, Just uh, once you start adding child and more children, um, time being split or routines that you used to have get constantly interrupted. Um, So so sort of the format we wanted to follow is prayer as parents, like challenges, what can we do, and then how to tackle one of the most beautiful prayers that we have as Catholics, which is the Mass yeah. with children, <laughs> and all of the beauty and the messiness that comes with that, but also um, children in adoration um, and how parents can introduce that. So I know we have lots of questions, um, and I feel like Deanna and I are just sit here to just like absorb um, the wisdom that you have. <laughs> Can I share with you just in prayer what came up this morning for a conversation, yeah, maybe for us sure. to talk about? Uh, I think one of the things that we don't often address is like even the deeper interior battles 
that a lot of like parents go through. Uh, many, many parents, uh, a number of people, especially my former students, had profound conversions to Jesus Christ while either uh, in high school or in college. And they were able to go to adoration every single day. And they were able to go to mass every single day. And they prayed their rosaries and liturgy hours. And they fasted and did penance. And they went on retreats and did missions. And, and they were like on like uber, they were Shiite Catholics, right? And, uh, and then they became parents and they got married and life got really busy. And even with one child, like life is just crazy. And so then there's like two or three or four or five. And so sometimes what I've seen happen is like this interior shame of, I, I, I used to be able to pray so much and I don't pray anymore. And, and all, almost like a grief of being a parent and, and a grief of, of having kids because the kids are taking me away from Jesus and what my life with Jesus used to look like. Mm. And so I think like one of the ways that the enemy attacks a lot of families is through comparison to yeah. not only other Catholics and what we see them post on social media and Instagram and how beautiful and holy their lives seem to be, um, but also the saints and what their lives allegedly looked like from the few writings we have on them, but then also to our own lives and what we used to be. And God is not calling any of us to ever focus on our prayer life back then and what we mm. were called to back then. He's calling us to be in the present moment. God says, I am. He's the God of the present moment. And and just to like help young parents or, or, or older parents feel comfort, like even pre-struggle with this. Like when I was in seminary, I used to be able to pray like four hours a day. Like it was like, because I didn't have a parish. I wasn't responsible for salvation of souls of all these people and so i had all this time to study and to fast and to pray and then i got in the parish and the, the lord gets an hour like i get i do the five offices throughout the day i do mass every day he gets a rosary and he gets like a solid hour and on a good day he gets an hour in the morning and 30 minutes at night but like he ain't getting four hours anymore because i'm not there and, and I, I have to be okay with that and the same has to be true for families like do not compare yourself to where you were because god's not calling us to be there He's calling you to be present to your kids and to your spouses um, and, and to him and yourself in, in a new way into reverence. Like if you get a good like 15 minutes in, like that's awesome. Like 15 minutes of intimacy is, is better than four hours, you know, of the past because it's in the present moment. And so mm -hmm. I think the first thing is just to like acknowledge that sometimes the enemy is going to attack us um, in silence um, in our heads and in our hearts with those condemnations and, the, and those shameful, shameful um, words because we're not praying the way we used to pray um, or the way that other people are praying. So don't look at other people, like get off of social media, stop following other moms um, and families and, and just look at Jesus in the present moment and, and ask him, God, how do you want me to pray? Like in the here and now, in the midst of the noise, in the midst of the chaos of, of family life that you have clearly invited me to enter into in this season. Uh, I remember there was a, a woman I was walking with one time and it was very beautiful. She's a, She's a woman who is rooted in, in the interior life. Uh, I see the Carmelites behind you, Deanna. And like, she is like all about Carmelite spirituality and just super holy. And, um, and at one point, she um, charitably invited other people to live in her home after a flood. And so other people were living with her in, her in her home. And her home before them was very quiet. And it was very peaceful. And it was very silent. And then these people came in that she was being charitable to because of what they lost. But they had kids and their kids were loud and it was noisy. And at first she was struggling because she was like, like this, this is messing up my relationship with Jesus, like the he and I, the personal relationship. And then at some point she had a breakthrough where she came to recognize that God was calling her 
to abide in a relationship with him in the noise and in the chaos. He wasn't calling her to silence anymore. There's always seasons of prayer. Like there's seasons where he calls us to certain ways of prayer. And we know he calls us there because we grow in virtue. We become more patient, more kind, more generous. Like that's how you discern how am I supposed to be praying right now? You discern it by the virtues. Like you look at, oh, wow, like while wow, this season I've been doing the Liturgy of the Hours as, as a lay person, I've become a lot more whatever 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7 says is. Um, and then if we find that we're beginning to cultivate vices while engaging in that season of prayer, that's God's way of saying, I'm, I'm inviting you to step away from that and try something new. And so for most of for life, God invited her into the silence to pray well, to encounter his love. But then for this season, God invited, he invited her into the noise and to be able to pray with the noise of, of, of families and kids and waking up at three o'clock and five o'clock. Um, and, and so uh, just reverence the fact that God, if you have that kind of family right now, God knew that before he created you and God is calling you there. And like, he doesn't want you to grow apart from that. He wants you to learn how to experience his love in that while you're breastfeeding, you're breastfeeding the baby Jesus, while you're visiting your child in the crib, you're visiting Jesus, while you're clothing your family, you're clothing Jesus, or those corporate works of mercy are happening. That is beautiful prayer that can happen as a family. So before we get into practicals, I just wanted to start with that, like embrace the place you are in the body of Christ, embrace your place. First Corinthians, God, St. Paul says that God places us in the body where he wants us to be. It's God. He places us. So right now you find yourself there. God placed you there for right now. And if you're not there, it's because God placed you somewhere else. So don't focus on where you're not. Focus on where you're at because where you're at is where God is. Oh, that is so, so refreshing because I know everything that you were saying in the beginning, that's, that has where I, I have been just thinking back to college and being on the mountaintop constantly in silence and going on retreat whenever I wanted. Um, but it's like that verse from Revelation, behold, I'm doing something new, that God's doing something new right here and now within our vocation. So that, oh man, that's, I'm going to sit with that for a while. That's beautiful. <laughs> Yeah, I felt like that was what I needed to hear because I think that that was, that has been one of my biggest struggles. I went to an amazing Catholic college and there was daily mass all the time, monks on campus. We could go join them for liturgy of the hours. Uh, and then I did summer mission trips. I did Toys Tuis, which was steeped in prayer. Yeah. And then I did Crossroads, which is this whole mission and you're steeped in prayer. And, and it was, I mean, it was great. And I just felt so close to God and that whenever I felt like whenever I wanted to approach him, like, um, or that he was always there because the whole mission was surrounded that. And then I think when, and I know this is my fault, when more children have been added to our family, that I have let myself become, oh, I got to do these things. And I have allowed myself to lose that while I'm always in the presence of God. And since I can't have those sit down moments that I used to have, that I was comparing my prayer life now to what it was and what it looked like. And I just, I needed to hear what you had to yeah. say. And instead of being present to God, when we do pray, we're, we're focusing on ourselves and we're navel gazing. Mm -hmm. All right. And so God's like, just look at me. And so we, we enter into the presence of God, but we're not present to God. All right. And mm -hmm. so God's like, I need you to be present to me. And, and when I did mission work with mother Teresa's sisters in Calcutta, like literally their adoration chapel is right next to the slums where people are screaming and cursing. Like they're dropping F-bombs right outside the adoration chapel. And the sisters are literally 
fixed on Jesus. Like they're looking at the Lord and his body, blood, soul, and divinity in the blessed sacrament. They're not like, can you believe they're cursing out there? Like, shut up. I'm trying to pray. Like they hear the mess, but they, but they are looking at God. It's like Peter walking on water. There's all this stuff going around. There's a storm going around. There's chaos. But when he looked at God, he was able to walk toward God. But, as, but when he took his eyes off of God and focused on the real chaos that was there, he began to sink. And the same thing happens for us. If we go into prayer and we focus on all the stuff and never the Lord, mm -hmm. right, then we're going to begin to just sink and we're going to become anxious throughout the rest of our day. And so he just invites us, just look at me. Just look at me. And like, if, if you just sitting in my presence, all you can do right now, like that's enough. I remember I was, um, I listened to my, my staff a lot because like I let, I want people to tell me what I don't know, what I don't hear. So I was doing a preaching series on prayer and every week, and I'll get to this in this conversation, I kept talking about intentional, consistent prayers. Like, like that's what God calls all of us to, not just priests or nuns or married people or single people or old people, but even kids. The kids of Fatima were children and Mary called those kids who are eight, nine, 10 years old to intentional prayer. So we're all called to this relationship with God. But what I didn't know is that for families, what some of them were experiencing was that they, they were trying and it was just really hard. It was really like, like they... Both worked, both parents worked. Um, they had a lot of kids and uh, kids were sick and there was drama in the marriage. Like, you know, marriage ain't easy. And so there's like all this drama going on. And so like, and so one of the, the parishioners was feeling very condemned when she was hearing me do this preaching series on prayer. And instead of being invited, she came to mass and she would leave feeling kind of heavy. And so she shared this with another person in the parish who praised God told me. And so I then went and preached the next week. And I said, look, if you just show up, you say, God, I'm, I'm here. Like, I'm here. Like, that's enough for God. Uh, God God is happy with us just being there. Even if we're there and distractions come, like he, the fact that we're there is enough. We're there and we're tired. We're there and we fall asleep. St. Therese fell asleep all the time in the chapel. And God was like, I love to look at you when you sleep. Like, I love this. And she condemned herself for it. And the father was like, no, I'm, I'm a dad. You're my daughter. What parent doesn't love their kids when they're sleeping? I mean, I'm sure as moms, you look at your baby sleeping, you're like, thank God. They're finally quiet. They're so innocent when they sleep. When they're awake, they're annoying sometimes. And they're just like, they're nagging you. And so the father's the same way. He's like, oh, thank God you stopped nagging me. Just like, just, just keep your eyes closed and let me love you for a minute. Let me look at you and, uh, and let me look at you while, while, while you try to look at me. But um, yeah, and so it was interesting to me how after I preached this, this, this homily about like, just, just show up. Like the fact that like you're here is enough. And even when you come to mass, like you come to mass and you had to get everybody dressed and they were fighting on the way and they were screaming on the way and it was chaotic. And then you get in and it takes at least like 10 minutes to settle down. And, and, and just the fact that you're here is enough. So don't condemn yourself if during mass, like you're all over the place with your kids, like you showed up and that consoles the heart of Jesus um, because the apostles didn't show up to that first uh, holy sacrifice on the cross. Like they weren't there. John came, but most of the others didn't come. And it was chaotic when John and Mary were there. And so like, but they showed up and that's all that matters. And so um, after I preached that, that homily, I got so many emails from prisoners and they were just saying, Father, thank you. Thank you because I needed to hear that because I was feeling so condemned. And I was like, oh my goodness. I had no idea so many people felt condemned uh, because of what they weren't able to do when it came to their relationship with God. And so, yeah, the, the, the greatest thing is that God just loves our presence. Like our presence is enough for God. We are sufficient. Mm. It's like God is sufficient. Like we don't have to earn it. We don't have to like be mystics and um, whatever. Like just show up and let Jesus love you um, as you try to love Jesus. Mm. Uh, I love that so, so much. 
I feel seen. I really feel seen. So I have four, <laughs> I have four kids, one, two, four, and six. And mass is an adventure. It, I mean, it, it is one of, I've shared the story before, but my son did a lap around the cathedral twice <laughs> last year. And that was humbling. And I'm the director of family life. So I'll, <laughs> right. Hey, Samuel. <laughs> Samuel, what a great name. After, yeah, after the prophet, huh? Okay, because you're daddy. That's great. <laughs> but yeah, your kid made a lap in the cathedral? Yeah, he made two laps at the very end of Mass. And it's very humbling because I'm like, okay, I'm the director of family life. I should have my stuff together, right? But um, to just to realizing that just being there, like just showing up is, that, I mean, that's like half the battle. <laughs> like Just being able to give that gift to our Lord that we're bringing our kids before before the Lord and letting Jesus see us. That's, uh, man, that's, that's such a gift. So once we have shown up, once we are are resting in just the presence of God, do you have any advice or, or recommendations for like what what can we do within prayer? Because we don't have like an hour of silence. Yeah, no, you you like literally don't. Even, I, I used to uh, preach, go to the bathroom and pray if you're a parent. And parents are like, but Father Josh, our kids come in the bathroom too, so like that doesn't work either. Um, and so. First, I always propose the five W's. And so the five W's are, are when, where, what, who, and why. Every Sunday, look on your calendar. And just as you put in birthdays, anniversaries, just as people put in when they go to work from eight to four or whatever their work shift is, um, put in a date with Jesus every day if you can. And it could be a uh, 10 minutes. But again, the whole notion of we're called to pray all day, but you can't pray at all times unless you pray at some time, like sometimes, right? And so um, when can I give God some time? So that might involve me making extra sacrifice and waking up 10 minutes early uh, or going to bed 10 minutes later. Uh, it, it might involve me involving inviting other people in my family or my community to come and help me to do it. No person is an island. And so we have to be vulnerable and invite other people to help us to do this. So first, like, when can I give God like 10 minutes or 15 minutes and then put that on the calendar? Uh, I typically propose it's like, it is sometimes whenever, uh, everyone's sleeping even as parents you know three o'clock comes five if the kid is sick or if they're crying you're going to be up but and that might even be the time that the lord is inviting you after you put the kid back to sleep take those 10 minutes even if you're tired and sleepy those 10 minutes for the lord so when can i do this where am i going to do this um am i going to go to the church to do this am i going to do this when i drop the kids off of school if they're homeschooled am i going to do it um when i'm in the bathroom or whenever you know whatever it is uh where where can i pray so when can i pray where can i pray what am I going to do to avoid um, distractions that can be avoided? So can I make sure the TV is off? Can I put my phone away? Um, what can I do to like avoid those things that can be avoided? So that way I'm attentive to God's voice, to God's face, so I can listen to God speak to me. And what am I going to do during that time of prayer? So put down what we plan on doing. While we do this, we're open to Holy Spirit coming and completely changing it and doing something new. But at least have a plan because some people have the time set apart and have the place set apart. And avoid the distractions, but then they think for the 15 minutes that they set apart for prayer about what they could be doing as opposed to just entering into that space with the Lord. And so am I going to pray with scripture, like Sudavina, or Madge the prayer? Am I going to listen to, to music, chant music, or praise music, or gospel music? Am I going to pray the rosary or divine mercy chaplet? Am I going to watch a scene from the Passion of Christ and then spend 10 minutes in silence after I look at that scene from the Passion or the Chosen series or something? Like some people are more visual. Um, so like find out what can help me to pray depending on my temperament and my personality. And then after that, who can hold me accountable? 
um, to this and who can help me to do this? So this might be someone who one person who's checking on me every week. Have you been praying? And another person who's going to maybe show up to the house to watch the kids while I do this prayer. Or if, if your husband can help you, or if your wife can like can watch the kids during that time. So like when your husband comes home from work or when you get home from work, say like, I need you to, to just watch the kids for 10 minutes and I'm going to run away to the closet or the bathroom or, or, or someplace where I can try to get away with God. And so we invite people to help us because we cannot do it on our own. Um, and then why am I doing this? Well, uh, I can't love my kids with the love of God if I'm not receiving God's love. And, uh, and, and so that's why we do it. And so I, now, yeah, so that, that's some of the things that I, I encourage people to do. And um, yeah, I also encourage people just to help you to, to avoid distractions and other things to, to, to vocal prayers where you, you pray out loud. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes we get so distracted when we are praying in silence. And so though God calls us into the silence, in order to get to the silence, we have to talk. Like whenever y'all first met your husbands, you probably talked a lot, right? You had to tell them about yourselves. You listen to their stories. You might still talk a lot. Um, but uh, at some point in your relationship, you don't mind the silence. You're like, silence is good. I enjoy just being with you, sitting on the couch with you, watching a movie and saying nothing, laying in the bed together, saying nothing. Sometimes silence is the best, but you don't get there in the beginning. It would be awkward to start with silence if you don't know the person. So in the beginning, you talk. The same applies for God. In the beginning, we talk a lot out loud. So read the word of God out loud, pray the rosary out loud, and then share our thoughts, feelings, and desires with God out loud. That way we are clear with who we're talking to and what we're talking about. St. Teresa of Avila says, prayer is not prayer unless we know who we're talking to and what we're talking about. Uh, this whole thing about being present to God while in the presence of God. Uh, sometimes you might want to write down your prayers. So you write down the scripture that is speaking to your heart. You write down the image that's coming to you. Write down your thoughts, feelings, and desires. Again, that keeps you focused on God and not all over the place, um, thinking about the kids and your marriage and all the and what your husband did or didn't do and the sins of commission or omission that you struggle with or they have or whatever it might be or, or the, the mom you saw on social media whose life looks way better than yours. Like just... Try that in the beginning and then like a normal relationship, allow the silence to come in God's will way in time. Even if it's just like two minutes of silence, God can do a lot with two minutes that we give him. And so, um, and then throughout the rest of our day, just be attentive to God's face and God's voice in your kids and in your family, um, in the mirror and yourself um, and in whatever books you're reading, TV shows you're watching or activities you're participating in, the work you're doing in the world, be, be aware of God's presence with you there as well. Uh, but it's hard to be aware of God's presence outside whenever we're not um, giving him some time inside first. Um, so, yeah. I was, just, I'm just like, right. Every time I'm looking at it, I'm like writing down notes. And it's, it's one of those things that intellectually, like you're saying, and I'm like, yes, that makes sense. Uh, or I've done that, but it can get so, I found it so easy to just get lost in all of it, you know? Um, so we'll try to type up some of these things like on a, on a little notes thing and share it with our listeners too. So in prayers of battle as well. I mean, the catechism, the Catholic church teaches prayers of battle. It's a supernatural battle. And so anytime, if you don't believe in the devil, all you have to do is come up with a keepable rule of life, something very simple and say, these are the times I'm going to pray. And I guarantee you, whenever you commit to specific times to be a part of Jesus in prayer, everything will come up to take you away from that time, including a lot of good things good ministries, good phone calls from friends you haven't talked to in a while, your kids' attention, everything. And so you, if you don't believe in Satan, do this practice. Write out a keepable rule of life and watch how he will come to distract you. It is a supernatural battle whenever you pray. So even like begin with like a St. Michael prayer 
are chant the holy, 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 because the devil, the demons can't chant that song anymore. So they hate that song. They hate the holy, 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 because they used to sing it and now they can't anymore. So when we sing it, they flee. Mm -hmm. So like even supernaturally, like bless your room, you're going to pray with holy. Holy water, put blessed salt around there. Sing the holy, holy, pray to St. Michael. Ask the Blessed Mother to guard that, that space and that place uh, because it will be a battle to be able to enter into prayer. And also, if you just need practical stuff on this, I have a book called Pocket Guide to Adoration where I break down like a lot of very simple practical things through Ascension Press um, that can help you to like to, to pray. So it's, I, I recognize that a lot of my parishioners struggle with prayer, and so that's why I wrote the book. Um, so that could also be helpful for your, your listeners. Yeah. We'll Thank you. Link. Yeah, we'll put a link to that in the show notes for sure. Mm -hmm. um, so I know we talked about a lot of like, like what to do at the home and a little bit about mass. Um, so I kind of want to go back to like mass and adoration because I think one of the biggest concerns for me when I bring my kids, like I, in one sense, like I'm fine bringing my kids to adoration if I know it's just going to be us and then they're a little crazy. Like I'm okay with that. Um, it's when there's other people there that then I start to get really... And, there's always someone else at mass. <laughs> so I get to, um, I get self-conscious about like, Oh, how are these people looking at my kids? Like, am I allowing them to be a little bit too loud? When should I take them back? Uh, and that's sort of, I've come to accept that we're all human and they're children and there's going to be moments in the mass, but I start to get nervous. Like, Oh, is this bothering the priest or is this bothering the people around me? And so I would say that that's my biggest struggle with, um, adoration and mass is like, oh, how is this affecting everyone else around me? So what is your advice for, for both, for both parents and pastors who might be listening to this about yeah. children in mass and adoration? Yeah. So, I mean, there's a couple of things. Um, so number one, mass is not a personal prayer. It's a communal prayer. It's a public prayer. And so when people go to mass, that's not my me and Jesus time. That's what adoration is for. That's what your prayer space in your home is for. That's what your Bible study is for, your rosary is for. Mass is not a personal prayer. It's a public prayer. And part of the public body of Christ are children. Jesus Christ said, let the children come to me. And children cry. And children can be rambunctious. Uh, I, I like to pray with whenever Jesus Christ was born in the cave and uh, the Magi came to visit Jesus. I'm pretty sure that Jesus Christ was crying as a baby because he was a baby and that's what babies do. And can you imagine whenever they came to bring gifts to, to Jesus, if they said, uh, Mary and Joseph, like, do you mind? Um, Jesus is crying and like, he's disturbing our experience of bringing the, being the presence of the son of God. Like, this is a big deal for us. And it was really important to us. And we came a long way to have this experience. So please put him in the cry room for, for a few minutes calm him down. And then when he's acting well, when he's behaving well, bring him back out and then we'll give gifts. No, they were not concerned with that. They went to give God gifts, no matter the circumstance. It was a cold cave filled with animals and probably manure. It probably did not smell good, did not feel good. There's a crying baby. They were not there for themselves. It was not about me and what I'm getting out of this experience. Mass is not about you. Mass is not about me. Mass is about God. And it's not about getting things out of mass. It's about going to give our sacrifices to God at mass, the holy sacrifice of the mass. And whenever Mary and John went to the foot of the cross, that, that, that one sacrifice is one and eternal. When they went there, it did not feel good to be there, but they still went. They still went there because they went there for God and not to feel good and not to get something out of it. Right now, when we go, we do get graces out of it. We do every now and then hear a really good homily. We do hear the voice of God in the readings. We do get to be in the presence of the angels and saints who are worshiping. But like, we go there to give. It's a gift that we're making. 
And so it's not about me. So if there are babies crying, I have to get over myself because mass is not about me. They are doing what babies do. Now, on the other hand, if, if, a, if a baby is like screaming, like, like death, you know, like, you know, sometimes babies can scream and sometimes they can like scream torture in those cases like it takes like just virtue like just know when okay now is the time that i might want to get up and walk my baby out or pass my baby to someone else because there are people with hearing aids whenever babies scream super loud and the echo gets to them it can have a negative effect on them so in those cases we have to just discern like what's what's appropriate like what does other people need to get over like it's it's about catechizing people about, about the mass some people don't know some people don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ outside of the mass. And so that's why they get so offended whenever babies are crying because they think mass is about them. So it's really the pastor's duty to educate people. You're supposed to be praying every day. You're supposed to be having a relationship with God outside of this, this, this public worship. And so when you come here, it's not about you, but so it's, it's like the both end of, yeah. So uh, other people need to get over it. If, if a baby's screaming, uh, we need to be humble and, and be okay with other people judging us because uh, you know what, like Jesus said it was going to happen. Um, and then also we just need to like be rational and know like when is the appropriate time of like now might be a good time for me to to walk with the baby or whatever, because it might be a little bit too much um, for you know, everybody. So I think there's like a balance. I think sometimes people will go to either stream and they say, if a baby's screaming, go to cry room. I'm sorry. Like most churches in, in Europe don't have cry rooms. Like that's, uh, it's, you know, whatever. We don't need a cry room. Uh, and so, uh, and the other people are the other extreme. They're like, we don't care if my, if my baby is like screaming, like mom, dad, help me. We're like, no baby, we're at mass right now. Like, no, go attend to your baby. Like in the present moment, your parent, your baby needs you. Like go breastfeed the baby or do whatever you need to do. Change the diaper. Um, so, yeah. That's helpful. That's really, really helpful. And with adoration, um, mm-hmm. I know because that can be a, a different. Uh, I am. I am really nervous about taking my kids to adoration because I know they are wiggly and loud. Um, but you just started something in your parish, didn't you, to, mm-hmm. to help families get to adoration? Yeah. So again, and this is why it's good to have people on your team as pastors um, and as church leaders to have a lot of different members of the body of Christ on your team because. <clears throat> They help us to see things and hear things and be aware of things that we would never know. I am a, a celibate priest. I don't have a bunch of kids. And so there are things I don't think about as a celibate priest. And so all my team of disciples here at Holy Rosary, Brandy, um, is on my team. And she is a, a nurse, registered nurse. She's a creating fertility care specialist. Um, she does my marriage and family life office, uh, teaches people NFP, walks with people who have endometriosis and sits on the ovaries. It's just a gift to the parish community. And so what she brought to my attention was that, like, what, what about people like me and other moms in the parish who have small kids um, when it comes to adoration? And so she's the one who proposed it. And so we're now, uh, we have the sign-up genius out now. And so people, there are specific times that we're putting out now uh, for our brand new adoration chapel, which is super awesome, really, really beautiful. Uh, I think it's one of the most beautiful homes for Jesus in this nation. Uh, um, uh, yeah, it's super cool. I just love it. Uh, anyways, so she came up with this idea to have specific times set apart from like 1 to 3 p.m. Um, in the afternoon, one day a week uh, for moms and tots for adoration. And that way people know if you go on Wednesday, uh, and it's actually going out this week. Uh, so um, if you go out Wednesday at one o'clock to three, it's, it's going to be loud and it's going to be chaotic in there. And, and that way the moms can also be okay with like, our kids are being crazy right now, but we don't have to worry about, you know, uh, other people not being able to enter into silence. Uh, and, and, then, and then too, so in addition to like having specific time set apart for for people with small babies and children, um, also keeping the church open as well. 
So if you can't go in the adoration chapel because it's super small and, and the screams would be like echo because of the, 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 the size, then if priests also keep their churches open, then you could go pray before the tabernacle and your kids can run around the whole church while you are closer to Jesus's presence in the, in the blessed sacrament in the tabernacle. Uh, and that could also be a help to, to people who want to be able to be in the presence of the Eucharist. Because I mean, St. Francis of Assisi, he told one of his brothers one time, his brother said, what's the greatest thing we could ever do for Jesus? And he said, uh, sit with him in the blessed sacrament. Mm -hmm. That's the greatest thing we could ever do. And so you should not be excluded from being able to sit with Jesus in the blessed sacrament because you chose to have a family, right? We, we talk about being a pro-life church and we tell people have babies and then you have babies and we punish you. And we're, we say, oh, no, 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 no. You have babies. So you can't come to these events. These events aren't for you. And so we're like, like, wait a minute. Like that, that's ridiculous. That's, that's, that's such a, so hypocritical. And so uh, just as parishes, we have to start to get creative and find creative ways to accommodate families. Um, um, as, as well as people who cannot conceive and people who are infertile um, and in those situations as well. And so. Thank you. Oh, that's so, so helpful. And I know, Father, you've got to run off too. I do. Yeah, I have a funeral. Really soon. Um, but before we wrap up, and this has really felt like um, like a pre-Lent retreat, honestly, this, this whole conversation has been a, a great blessing. But where can people find you if they're, if they're not already following you online? So hopefully in heaven one day, uh, I want to be a saint. And so whenever I die, if and, uh, hopefully you'll be a saint and I'll be a saint. You can find me in heaven, probably in purgatory. I'll be in the back of the line um, uh, and I'll be there for a long time because I'm going to try to skip people. I'm like, oh, I, I know that person. They're going to be like, oh, go back to the back of the line. So I'm probably in purgatory uh, for a long time. And uh, but definitely I have a podcast called Ask Father Josh uh, through Ascension Press. You can find me on iTunes and other podcast formats. Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Father Josh Johnson. That's FR Josh Johnson. I have uh, three books out, Broken and Blessed, An Invitation to My Generation, uh, through Ascension Press, uh, Pocket Guide to Adoration. And I have a new book coming out this month with Father Mike Schmitz called Pocket Guide to the Sacrament of Reconciliation. I also co-authored a book called uh, Holy Black, uh, Black Catholics on the Path to Sainthood uh, with uh, OSV. And I have another book coming out this summer uh, that I'm super excited about. Deanna knows about it. And, um, and it's going to address um, uh, the, how to cultivate racial reconciliation in the American Catholic Church, uh, because there's a huge racial divide, not only in America, but also in the church. And it's my baby I've been working on for five years. And, uh, and, it, 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 and I, it can still be better, right? It's, it, it's like, there's always more that I, could, that I could write, but it needs to come out now. So this summer that comes out as well. Uh, so uh, yeah, and then Outside of that, see me in the Eucharist. Every time you go to the Eucharist, I'll hopefully be there as well. Um, and we'll be connected through Jesus's body. Yes. Yes. Oh, I love it. We'll put links to, to all of those resources. Um, and you put a link to heaven as well? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Here's a link to purgatory. Yeah. Here's a link to heaven. <laughs> we have the direct link to that. <laughs> you know. Nice. We got to find that. <laughs> awesome. Well, Father, thank you again. Can we get your blessing before we? Of course. Yeah, I would love to. I would love to. Please pray and fast for me. Other thing, pray and fast for healthy and holy vocations to the priest and religious life. I'm the vocation director now as well for my diocese. And I believe it's through prayer and fasting that we're going to have a new generation of saints, mm. um, not only for the sacrament of matrimony and for consecrated virginity and other people who are going to be single for the rest of their lives um, and not enter into a state of life vocation. I talk really fast. like follow Mike Schmitz. But 
Um, I really believe that the fruit of prayer and fasting is going to help us to uh, just uh, accompany a lot of men and women specifically to priests and religious life who are healthy and who are holy. So if you go to www.diobr.org slash vocations, that's another link to um, put on there. Uh, I wrote a free ebook that's going to be available now and you can do it during Lent. I'm asking everyone to um, pick one day of Lent to fast every day. Uh, not, 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 I don't fast every day for Lent. You pick one day for Lent and like do it with 39 other people. And so each person takes one full day of Lent. Don't do Sundays. So it's four days of Lent of fasting. And your intention while you fast is for healthy and holy vocations to the priesthood and religious life. Um, because that's what I'm vocation director of. And then um, pray there. And then for those, so then you put the sign up sheet out there of who's fasting on what days and the other people in the community um, from that parish pray the rosary for that person, that family, or that small group who's fasting on that day to support them in their fast um, for this intention of healthy and holy vocations. And then the ebook has a saint every day, a male saint, and then a female saint every day uh, who is a priest or religious, uh, just to kind of inspire people to like not settle for mediocrity and not settle for mediocre priests or religious, but to pray and fast for healthy and holy priests and religious for your land. Um, I'm asking everybody to do it for my diocese this year because I'm selfish, so the whole world can just do it just for Baton Rouge. Uh, then we'll focus on the rest of y'all later. But like, I really believe like, man, like because of COVID, I can't do a lot as a vocation director. I can't yeah. travel a lot. And so I'm very restricted. And so I'm like, I just perceive the Holy Spirit say, Josh, just get people praying the rosary and fasting because that's what Blessed Mother always asks us in her apparitions. In Cabello, Africa, in Fatima, Portugal, in Lourdes, France uh, and Akita, Japan, it's like pray the rosary and fast. So um, if we're going to be obedient sons and daughters of Mary, I think uh, she will just go before the throne of God and say, Jesus, hook Father Josh up. Uh, and so give his diocese healthy and holy priests who are going to be canonized saints one day. And so that's my last plea. Uh, here's time for the blessing. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. With your spirit. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with his kindness and fill you with his peace. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Lady of Cabejo. Pray for us. In the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Awesome. Thank y'all.